0: to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his kingdom or of peace in the throne of David over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of Hosts will accomplish this. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what this could mean. Don't be frightened, Mary, the angel told her. God has chosen to bless you. You will become pregnant and have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. He will be very great and be called Son of the Most High. But Mary asked, How can I have a baby? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the baby born to you will be holy. And he will be called the Son of God. While Mary was still a virgin, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, being a just man decided to break the engagement quietly as to not disgrace her publicly. As he considered this, he fell asleep and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, don't be afraid to go ahead with your marriage to Mary for the child in her has been conceived by the Holy Spirit and she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins all of this happened to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet behold the virgin will conceive a child she will give birth to a son he will be called Emmanuel meaning God with us this prophecy from Isaiah 7 and verse 14 was given 700 years before Jesus was ever born When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He brought Mary home to be his wife, but she remained a virgin until her son was born. And at the same time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout all of the Roman Empire. All returned to their hometowns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled from the village of Nazareth in Galilee and took with him Mary, his wife, who was great with child. And while they were there, there came time for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and lied him in a manger. That night, there were shepherds in the fields outside the village guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terribly frightened, but the angel reassured them, Do not be afraid, he said. I bring you great news of great joy for everyone, a Savior, yea, the Messiah. The Lord has been born tonight in the city of David, and this is how you'll recognize him. You'll find a baby laying in a manger, and suddenly, the angel was joined by the vast hosts from heaven, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will toward men. The angels left, and the shepherds said to each other, Come, let us go to Bethlehem and see this wonderful thing that the Lord has told us about. So they ran to the village and found Mary and Joseph And there was the baby laying in the manger The shepherds told everyone what had happened And what the angel had said to them about the child All who heard the story were astonished But Mary kept these things in her heart And the shepherds went back to their fields and flocks Glorifying and praising God Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod and at the same time came wise men from the east to Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn King of the Jews? We've seen his star and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed by their question as was all of Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law. Where do the prophets say that the Messiah will be born? He asked. In Bethlehem, they said. For this is what the prophet wrote. O Bethlehem of Judea, you're not just the lowly village of Judah, for a ruler will come to you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. This prophecy is found in Micah 5 and verse 2 and 2 Samuel 5 in verse 2, both of which were given 700 years before Jesus Christ was born. So Herod sent a message to the wise men, asking them to come and see him. At this meeting, he learned the exact time when they first saw the star and said, Go to Bethlehem, search diligently for the child, and when you find him, come tell me that I might worship Him, too. After this meeting, the wise men went on their way, and once again the star appeared to them to guide them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house where the child and his mother were, and they fell down and worshipped him. They opened treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But when it came time to leave, they went another way because God warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. After the wise men were gone, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return because King Herod will try to kill the child. That very night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until King Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. Out of Egypt, I have called my son. Herod was furious. When he learned that the wise men had outwitted him, he sent soldiers to kill all the baby boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under because the wise men had told him that the star had first appeared to them about two years before. Then later, when Herod died, God's angel appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up! take the child and his mother and return to Israel. All those who wish the murder the child are dead. So Joseph obeyed. He arose and took the child and his mother and re-entered Israel. When he had heard though, that Herod's son had taken over as king of Judea, he was afraid to go there. But then Joseph was directed in a dream to go to the hills of Galilee. On arriving, he settled in the village of Nazareth, thus fulfilling the words of the prophets, for he shall be called a Nazarene. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is the story of Christmas. Well, Merry Christmas one more time. Uh, If we haven't had the chance to meet, my name is Joe Bevilacqua. I'm the lead pastor here. I'm gonna keep tonight's message pretty short. I know that we all have big plans for the evening. At least my wife has big plans for me this evening. Uh, We're one of those tardy rappers. I think we're a little ahead this year, more than others, but uh, we'll get on that all together. But I wanna thank all of you for taking time out of your busy schedules to be here tonight. Can we actually take one second and just... Give, give a little bit of praise to the, the worship team, the teams that put on tonight, that worked so hard to make tonight special. I want to thank all of you that have worked so hard and put time in behind the scenes. Thank you. We couldn't do it without you. Uh, at the end of tonight, we will light candles and sing another song. I'm sure that it will be a very special moment. You know, it's amazing to see a crowd like this, uh, especially because around about 100 years ago... There were a lot of elites that actually believed that religion was going to die out. They thought that as uh, people became more educated, as they understood more about the way that natural law works in the universe, that they would forego religion. And boy, they couldn't have been more wrong. I mean, the, the stats are true. The belief in God really has not gone down at all. It hasn't. And sure, atheism has gone up one little tick, but... It's really not an issue in our culture when you start talking about God. Most people believe that there is a God altogether, yet at the same time, what I see in in my line of work is not so much the fact that people don't believe in God, it's the fact that people have developed like misbeliefs about God. They they look at God through different lenses, and it, it all depends. Maybe you came from a church and had a bad experience. I tell you what, that can put a real bad taste in your mouth about God. God's not like that, but that church was like that, and I understand. Maybe you've uh, been told certain things about God, or or maybe even godly people, people that love the Lord, told you things that weren't true about Him, and it was severe, and, and it was drastic, and it gave you this impression about Him that really turned you off. We all have these different lenses that we look at God through. Uh, the first one that I hear of more often in people's life is people look at God as a disapproving parent. They look at God and they think of the times where they were in the doghouse with their mom and dad when they messed up, right? And uh, they, they never could get it right, you know? Uh, have you cleaned your room? You missed a spot. Uh, did you make your bed? You didn't do it right, you know? Oh, you got married? Not to the right guy. Anyone know I'm talking about in the room? And Oh, you got kids? That's great. You're not raising them right. And, and, and you just have this mantra. We have this lens about God that he's actually like that. And I, I got to tell you, he's not. I saw this uh, not too long ago. Uh, guys, go ahead and throw up that slide. I thought this was pretty funny. Um, people think of God like this. You must be guilty of something. You know, they, they look at condescending Jesus there like, what did you do now, you know? And I talk to adults that feel this way about their God. And it's really, oftentimes, it's really because their parents never affirm them. They've got some chip on their shoulder about the way that they had to relate to their parents, always trying to earn love. And they look at God, and they say, God, I might even believe you're real, but I think that you're judging me. And, and, And we think of God looking at us like, arms crossed, you're not doing it right. And it's not like that, guys. You must be guilty of something. And it's common. You know, when I'm out in the wild at Myers or someplace like that. Uh, <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, when I'm out there and I'm, I'm talking to people, if I make a conversation in line with somebody, uh, you know, it's all well and good. But people start acting so weird when they find out that I'm a pastor. Okay? Like, like it's either like, oh and they'll cold shoulder you, or they're like, oh, praise God, hallelujah, you know, that I'm so excited about what God is doing in my life, you know, And, and so it's a mix. People act weird around me, but, you know, it's funny, with that one crowd that's a little bit cold, They'll joke even, if they liked me to begin with, and say, oh, I could never go to your church. If I walked in that church, it'd light on fire. The roof would cave in. If I Anybody else heard that? How about this? Anybody got family that have said that to you when you've invited them to church? Listen, it's going to burn down. I'm doing this for you, not coming by the church. And, And they think that because of... How they live, or who they live with, or what they smoke, or what they drink, or what they've done in the past. And they think of God as this disapproving parent that's casting shade on everything, and that somehow they've got to get right before they could ever darken the doors of the church. And that's not true. Let me just say, for those of you in the room that have maybe even gone to a church that gave you the impression that you had to clean up everything about your life before you could ever come to God, come into the church... It is limited at best and maybe abusive. God is not like that, but it is a popular lens that people see him through. Second thing is people have a view of God where they see him as a heavenly vending machine. Now, when I was younger, vending machines were like a huge deal to me. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Less and less so as I've gotten older, but it was like vending machine. You put in the money and the treats come out, and a lot of people have that view of God. They think if I put in the right behavior, if I read enough, if I pray the right way, if I help enough people, if I stand on the right confession, if I say the magic words, God will do, he will perform the thing I need him to do. And you can expect, if we do a certain behavior that God is somehow obligated to come through for us, and guys, that's pretty limited in its own right. A lot of young people, teenagers, 20-somethings, have lost their faith because of this. Because what happens? They might have even been raised in a godly way, but they go out into their everyday lives as adults, and they start doing the things that they know to do, but life happens. And a little bit of suffering knocks at their door and hardship. And they say, God, I did everything right. Where are you? Because we make God into an equation instead of a Lord. And that frustrates a lot of people. We question, where is God? God, I stood on the right scriptures, yet my mom still got sick. God, I was believing you for my marriage to be saved, and it still broke up. And I was praying I was doing the right thing. Or how about the guy never came. I was believing God for the right husband, God. And that husband never came into my life. And, and, and you didn't give me what I expected. And it becomes this transactional thing with God. And I got to tell you, that is so, so beneath what God actually has for all of us. You will. You will become disillusioned with your relationship with God if it's only transactional. Wow, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine is a pretty low form of relationship with God. It takes things like prayer and confessing God's word and it limits them into magic words. God is bigger than that. Third lens, and I think that all of the different views we might have could fit into these, but the third one is this. I think a lot of us in the room might even view this uh, a way of God We view him as a a coach. Now, depending on what side of the aisle you are, that picture either gave you warm fuzzies (laughs) or not. That's why I chose that picture. What's the idea with a coach? The idea with a coach is the coach is really on the sidelines, right? He might call a couple plays, but you're playing the game. You, You can act out whatever you want when you're there. So here's what I mean, and this is very deceiving, especially being in Western Michigan, which you could also call New Jerusalem, right? Churches all over the place. We think everybody's saved. Everybody thinks that they're saved. And, and so there's the problem. There's the temptation. Because what ends up happening is that people end up having this perspective where, okay, I've got a big job interview, God, and so they end up, God, I need you to come through, and they pray for that. Or what happens is your friend gets sick and goes to the hospital, and you'll pray for that. Or, or you, got, you need God really to come through in a moment, and so you'll pray. And, and every once in a while, you'll go to church or read a scripture or, or worship the Lord privately, and you're encouraged, you're inspired, but really God is not at the center of what you've got going on in your life. He's really in the periphery of your life. He's an accessory to your life like a coach on the sidelines, you acknowledge that there is a God, but I just wonder, is God your coach? And here's what I know. Jesus came to right the wrongs, take these different viewpoints that we have of God that are skewed, and show us who he truly is, who God truly is. Jesus came to show us what God is really like. In Matthew's gospel, chapter 1, the Bible says this, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which is to say, God is with us. And believe it or not, New Chapel, that's what tonight is all about. It's actually about us realizing God is revealing himself to us, and we need to receive this gift because he is Emmanuel. God with us. He's present in this moment, and that means something. Whatever you've thought of God in the past, I'm telling you, God is revealing himself to you right now. You have to receive that. He's telling us about someone who he is when he says that he's Emmanuel. And so that means, in short, that God is not your disapproving parent. No matter what your relationship was like with your earthly mother or your earthly Father, God is not looking down his nose at you, condemning every move that you make. Some of you are living with your parents who are deceased in your head, telling you how to live your life to this day. Be free. God is not disapproving of every little move you make. Now listen, there are standards for sure, but God has a way wiser way of dealing with his kids. And so we have to realize that God with us means that in the middle of our darkness, in the middle of our dysfunction, in the middle of when we're at our lowest, God steps into our story, into the middle of it all. It says it this way in John 3, 17, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He's not disapproving of you. God loves you, and he has a plan for you. Our God is not distant. He stepped into humanity to experience what we experience. Do you know that forever, from the moment of incarnation, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, until forever, there will forever be one-third of the Trinity that's human The Bible calls him the man Christ Jesus. He came in the form of a man, and he dwelt among us. He suffered like we suffered. He had joy like we had joy. He came to our level. He's God with us. He's not your absentee dad. It also tells me this. If he's God with us, God is not our heavenly vending machine. Thank God he's not he's not waiting for you to put all the good things in put good behavior in store up enough on your account before you can ever make a withdrawal before the blessings can ever show up in your life our God is actually far better than all of that Romans 11 who has given God so much that he needs to pay this person back I love that scripture because as a, as a faith guy, as a confession guy to the max, you know, it can be so easy to live my life as just a good little doobie church kid, you know, a little boy scout, right? And think all the good stuff I'm storing up. And listen, there's, there's just positive and negative forces to what you'll draw to your life if you're living in a negative way versus a positive, a sinful versus a godly. But listen to me, God loves you and he chose to bless you when you were at your worst in spite of your behavior, in spite of anything that you've ever done, while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. It means that before you put any money in the vending machine, the treats are coming out, if I can put it that way. Do you know what I'm talking about, everybody? You don't have to store it up in your account. God has decided to bless you as much as he possibly can through Jesus. In Romans 8, the Bible says, That God didn't spare his own son. And how shall he not with him freely give us all things? He's not holding back from you. Stop trying to approach God with the same works that you tried to approach him before. You found a way to God through grace. God wants to bless you by grace. Say amen, somebody. And he showed his love for us in the greatest and most profound way. He came himself. He's a personal God He suffered. He died for you and for me. God is not waiting for you to clean up your life so you can come into the church, so you can come to him. Your God is for you. Say amen, somebody. That also means that God is not content to be coaching you on the sidelines. That's not what he wants to do. He, he wants something more for you. He doesn't want to be in the peripheral of your life. God wants something great. He wants to be in the center of the action of your life with you in all things. You know, a great coach, whether blue or green, will just say, I want to start a fight. That's this church if you're a visitor. <laughs> they might be able to give you good advice. They might be able to give you a pep talk or or encourage you. There's never been a coach who would die for you or could die to save you. Our God died in our place on a cross with our name on it, and he made that way. He doesn't want to be the coach. He wants to be in the center of all of the action. We needed a Savior, and that's who Emmanuel, Jesus Christ, is. He is God with us. Do you see how our lens can be so easily skewed? How we can have an imagination about God that doesn't line up with who he showed himself to be in scripture, and it can be written black and white, but this world will try to tell you something about Jesus. Uh, Really, he's not that way at all. Wow. So when we celebrate Christmas, sure, we're celebrating a birthday, and that's great but it's so much more than just a birthday. It is Jesus coming into a dark, dark world and being the light for all of mankind. If you came uh, today and you're willing to stand with us, got one of these candles, that'd be awesome. Let's all stand up together. If you don't have a candle, you can just slip your hand up. Our ushers can serve you one of those. Be happy to do that here today. John's Gospel, chapter one, the Bible says this, in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Tonight, as we begin to light these candles, I wanna tell you in the room that this is not just an opportunity to make a memory with your family, though I think tonight will be very memorable. This is really a declaration that God came into this dark world and maybe even to your dark life and he illuminated it. You know, there might be someone or maybe several people and you're in a spot in your life where you're here and you're smiling and you're eating the Christmas cookies and watching Christmas vacation with everybody else, you know. But inside, nobody knows it. You're going through a real dark season. I don't know it. God knows it. So maybe as you light this candle tonight, maybe you'd say, God, help light up that dark part of me. Don't be intimidated by darkness. Light does its best work in the dark. And so as we light these candles together, we remember that Jesus brought light to our dark. candles all together you can have a seat all over the room it's amazing that moment when we all have our candles together it's so powerful isn't it and it speaks so much to the work that God has done in our hearts and in our lives and and still I know that there's people that come into services like this and you hear messages like this and you might not know the Jesus that we know reason why we're confident and steadfast in a world that is the world's done lost its mind everybody I'm just telling you the reason why is because our hope is secure and anchored in Jesus it's not about getting your life so right with God for him to accept you he comes into your life and gives us all the ability to live better with him and so what I want to do is just put it out there. Maybe you're in the room today and you're saying, Pastor Joe, that's me. I don't want to live this life like I had. I-, I want a different year in 2022. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. If you're in this room, just with every eye open and every head raised, if you want prayer in this room, could you just slip your hand up real quick? just want to pray for you. Yeah. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Let's all pray this. Even those of you that have a solid relationship with God, let's all pray this as a declaration of our faith with those people that are coming to God tonight. Pray, dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today in Jesus' name. You said in your word, if I would call Jesus Lord, I would be saved. Jesus, I now call you Lord. Forgive me of my sin wash me clean of all unrighteousness I thank you for forgiving me I thank you for making all things new in Jesus name amen can we give it up for those people that accepted Christ praise God listen if you prayed that the reason why people are excited on what is by all accounts a pretty traditional service for a new chapel it's because we're excited about the decision you made we made it and we know it makes all the difference there's freedom for you and jesus we need you to take a next step and i'm not going to call you down to the front and embarrass you nothing like that but on the connection cards that we mentioned earlier uh, those same cards that first time visitors and even people with prayer requests are going to be filling out i need you to grab one of those and check the box that says i accepted christ put your info on there nobody's going to know why you're doing it But we need to send you a note talking about next steps that God has for you in your faith. I don't want you waking up after Christmas vacation being like, I got saved, now what? I want to help you. God has big things for you, the least of which is to fill out that card. One more time, church. Let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ. Louder than that. Come on, gang. (laughs) Hey, you can stand up on your feet. I hope that you enjoyed tonight. At this moment, I have two minutes and 30 seconds still on the clock. It's a Christmas miracle, everybody. (laughs) I do want to let you know that when we come back uh, in the new year on January, I think it's January 2nd, uh, we are starting a brand new series called Brazen Jesus. Uh, Leave it to your pastor to not preach, have the best year ever sermon. Nope, I'm going to go brazen Jesus on you. But it will be a series that you will not forget. And I do believe it will offer you the opportunity to have the best year ever. We believe you can have the best year ever if you have the best year of your life spiritually. And so we want to help you with all of that. Don't forget this Sunday, I don't know if I've mentioned it this month at all, we ain't having church. So if you show up, you just became the duly elected one-day pastor here at Duke Chapel So don't show up. We will be streaming services online uh, for those people that weren't able to make it tonight. And uh, and then finally, on your way out tonight, you'll notice a table with some little black uh, buckets. Uh, That would be the ideal place for you to place your candle as you're leaving so you're not trying to drive down Alpine, letting your light so shine before men. That's horrifying. Um, Everybody give it up for my beautiful wife. I wanted to come up here and pray for the people with me. Ray, you want to come up here too? Go ahead. Give it up for my boy Rayo. His first address to the church. You want to pray for the people? Can you lift your hands out to them? The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, Merry Christmas. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at Newchapel.